What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the newly rebranded Providence Point of View podcast. That's Providence POV for short. This is Joe Howie. I'm joined tonight by Peter DiBiase, who is our new co-host. Peter, how are you? I'm doing good. Another season of Providence College basketball is always exciting. Another season of college basketball is always exciting. And I'm excited to officially join the podcast as a full-time host or co-host, however you want to put it. So I'm excited to kind of go through this journey of breaking down every game. I never, I haven't really been able to do that throughout the season. So I'm super excited for that. We're definitely excited to have you on the show, Peter. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast since our inception back in 2020, you'll notice that Matt St. Jean is no longer with the show. He's taking some time away from college basketball this season. He's dealing with a little bit of a health issue. He's in good spirits. He's doing well. I've been talking to him every day. Obviously, we're grateful for the contributions that Matt has had to the show over the years. He and I were co-founders back in 2020, but it's time for Matt to take a little bit of time away for personal reasons, and we totally respect that. We wish him all the best, and hopefully he'll be back on here with us soon. For anyone who's been here before, you know Peter's been a friend of the show for almost two seasons now. He and I were former WDOM Providence College radio broadcasters. <laughs> Peter brings a lot of knowledge to the show. He's got a couple of shows of his own. Peter, why don't you plug those real quick? Yeah, yeah, former WDOM broadcaster, which is which is always exciting. But yeah, I do... I have an official podcast called the Talking Sports Podcast. You can find it on audio version, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but we're mainly on YouTube. And that's all types of sports. So that's my main show if you guys want to listen to that. But it's all types of sports, which is kind of cool. It gives you a taste of everything in uh, the big sports world. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. <laughs> I've certainly listened. I would recommend that our listeners here do the same. A couple of quick updates here. I mean, it's been quite a while since you last heard from us. I think, you know, the last time we published the show was probably around the time that uh, Ed Cooley left. Um, Obviously, he takes the flex offense with him, and that is why we are no longer the flex hoops. Uh, We wanted something a little more generic, a little more related to Providence. So we thought, why not Providence POV? Um, But obviously, a lot of change in Friartown over the past seven, eight months, uh, A lot of it is new and exciting. A lot of it is a little bit uh, uncomfortable. Um, But nevertheless, Kim English is here now. I'm hyped about him. Peter's hyped about him. There is a lot of questions that come with Kim English, but he took the Friars to victory in night one. So I I think so far, so good. What what do you say, Peter? Yeah, so far, so good. We talked about off-air that last year, first game of the year, they beat Ryder by one point. And I'm not saying we panicked last year. I don't even remember I didn't remember what we talked about or what you guys talked about or what I initially thought, but I I did the game last year against Ryder as a play-by-play. And it was one of those type of games where you just like, you didn't think it was close. And then you looked up with two minutes and you're up two points. And you, we were never in that type of situation on Monday night. And at a non-conference game, that is not Oklahoma. That is not Kansas state. That is not Wisconsin. That's not even you or I, you don't want to be in those type of dog fights. It it might help you long-term, but you don't need that added stress. You want to kind of work on things, play guys, a lot of guys. Like use your bench, use some uh, freshmen that maybe not going to get a ton of minutes in the Big East play, but could get valuable minutes now that helps them down the road in year two to year three. And they won by 19. They took care of business. Obviously, we're going to talk about it. There's definitely some things that we didn't like, but there's some things that we loved. So you win by 19, and it's always easier. It's more fun to nitpick things and kind of criticize things when you win and when you win by double digits. Absolutely. 
I totally agree with that. I also think it gets taken for granted, too, that two years before that, the Sweet 16 team opened up against Fairfield and only beat them by seven points. And that one was a little bit of a nail biter. And we really got exposed to the likes of Al Durham in that game. So I think this is just, you know, this is going to become normal for us as college basketball fans, as you know, the transfer portal and NIL money has really changed the landscape of the sport, right? We're not coming into opening night games with, you know, the five or six, you know, guys that have been there before, plus an incoming crop of freshmen where you really get acclimated. Like I think of the 2016 through 2019 eras where there's maybe one or two transfers on the team. Now we're looking at complete overhauls, right? That 2021, 2022 team was a complete overhaul. 22-23 was a complete overhaul. I'm not going to go as far as saying that 23-24 is a complete overhaul because it's not. In fact, one of the things that Kim English did so great in his early tenure with the Friars was keep the core group from last season. But essentially, we're overhauling the entire program. There's a new coaching staff. This is Steve Napolilo's second year at the helm of the athletic department. Let's keep in mind, too, that Cooley's style is now out, Right. English is running an entirely different type of basketball team. Uh, there's guys from George Mason into the fold now that might not be used to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I mean, <laughs> the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Uh, <laughs> still not used to that. Never will be. So th- there's a lot of new. And while there is a lot of returning excitement, i.e. Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, Coy Floyd, Castro, etc., there's still a lot of new pieces here too. So I think that while at times – I was kind of scratching my head Monday night because of the the look and the feel and just what I was seeing in terms of turnovers. Um, I think, you know, we need to get to take into account here that there's a lot of change that's happened and, you know, 19 point win or not Monday night was a little bit of a surprise for most people. And like you said, Peter, it's easier to nitpick when you win by 19. I'm happy we won it all. Yeah, 100%. And like you said, easier to nitpick when you're 19. And you talked about the overhaul of the program. And it wasn't a full rebuild. And I think we would be 100% talking about a totally different team and have way less expectations for this team if they did lose the likes of Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. And when you lose a head coach to a different program, a lot of those things happen. You don't. It's hard to retain players because they weren't recruited or they weren't brought in by the new incoming coach. So shout out to Kim English for keeping Hopkins and Devin Carter and the Jaden Pierre's and Raphael Castro, Corey Floyd, because without those guys, you're, you're looking at a totally different team, but no, they took care of business. Obviously the turnovers were a little, uh, an issue and we'll talk about that, but it's a different, I agree. It, it was, I was in person there. So I was at the game. It's a little different watching the style play. Uh, obviously we're used to more of the cool. He did, he did like to push the tempo, but also like, slow it down with that flex style offense that some fans loved some fans <laughs> did not love it depending on if it worked or not kind of and we're not going to see that obviously but we're going to see maybe more of an up-tempo offense and joe you talked about off air about maybe we don't need a true point guard and maybe it's more of kind of point guard by committee or a couple ball handles at the time and it kind of switches up based off the flow of the game it was interesting to watch. It was exciting to watch. And it's kind of cool that, you know, not even cool, but it's, it's it's good that we're finally back and talking about actual basketball. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So before we get into the nitty gritties, I'll just I'll read some of the logistical stuff here. As always, this house, this not this house, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com to get in on the fun. You can re- you can catch my Providence articles over there. Peter, we, we might have you start writing for the site, too. Um, and for anyone who is new to the show, anyone who is a longtime fan, you can head over to the merchandise tab on the House Enterprise website and get some vintage The Flex merch before it gets pulled off the site next month and is replaced with Providence POV stuff. If you're one of those people, you love Christmas in November, you know, perfect time. You want to go get somebody a Christmas gift. You want to wear it to start a Big East play next December. Go over, get some Flex merch before it sells out, before it gets pulled off the site next month and is replaced with the Providence POV merch. Uh, I'm right. excited. I'm excited for that province POV merch next month. That's a good me too. <laughs> go get go get some flex stuff. hundred percent. But for my sake, I'm excited for that uh, POV shirt uh, stuff. I was looking at the website last night, Joe, and like you get some Under Armour stuff. Yeah, like there's yeah. some cool stuff that like it's not like not, when you know when you think of like typical brands, like sometimes like those cheap kind of T-shirts. It's like legit stuff that are would be great gifts for anybody. Some nice Under Armour stuff, especially because. We all live in the Northeast, or most people live in the Northeast that listen to this podcast, and it gets cold, and then it yeah. is already cold. So get oh, some yeah. underwear stuff. They they have some really really good stuff on there. Shout yeah. out to the House Enterprise merchandise team. I think it's just Will Tondo, but really 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 good stuff. All right, let's get down to business here. Monday night, Providence takes down Columbia seventy eight fifty nine. The Friars were led by Bryce Hopkins, who logged 14 points and 10 rebounds, his first double-double of the season, picking up right where he left off last year and proving once again why he is one of, if not the best player in the Big East Conference. He was joined in double figures by Devin Carter with 13, Rafael Castro with 13, and Ticket Gaines, who chipped in with 12. Jaden Pierre put up nine, and otherwise no other Friar scored more than six points. All right, Peter, let's start at the very beginning with the starting five. There has been a lot of speculation as to, you know, with guys leaving, guys coming in, who were going to be the first five on the floor. What we saw was Jaden Pierre, Devin Carter, Ticket Gaines, Bryce Hopkins, and Josh Aduro. Initial reactions to that that group? I would say more or less expected. I think that's the right term. I know there's some people and – I don't know if I was in that camp, but I thought Corey Floyd was going to start. But I think we saw what, and uh, just focusing on ticket gains, what we saw what, from ticket gains, what he can do, because he can guard so many positions. He can guard the four, but he can kind of guard the two. He can kind of guard the one. He's like a stretch point forward. I don't even know what to list him at. They list him as a guard on ESPN. I don't know. They should just list him as a guard slash four because I think he's both. And you can yep. you saw in the stat sheet, like the 12 points, he was efficient, got to the line, kind of reminded me of Al Durham getting to the line a lot, five for seven from the line, but he also incorporated seven rebounds. So he, and it was all in defensive rebounds. So on the defensive side of the ball, 12 points, seven defensive rebounds. I thought he was kind of fun to watch because you know, when you, we know what Devin Carter and we know what Bryce Hopkins bring, uh, even though Bryce Hopkins, I would say pressed a little four for 13 shooting took a little many too, sh- too many shots from downtown because I feel like when he was able to get to the hole, it was just by ease and maybe just settle for too many threes, but that's okay. But like watching gains and watching a duo for the first time, because I'm going to be honest with you, Joe, I didn't watch a lot of George Mason games last year. When we kind of got the guys, I kind of went back to watch, but the tape, but like the tape only shows the good plays. You don't really watch a lot of 
the nitty gritty play. So it was kind of cool and interesting to kind of study and analyze Adoro and Gaines in a Providence uh, Friar uniform. I totally agree with you here. Just want to break down Devontae Gaines a little bit more here. He's listed at 6'7", 190 pounds. And like you said, Peter, all of the preseason hype around ticket gains has really been about, you know, he's a potential sharpshooter from beyond the arc, you know, could be a AJ Reeves, Noah Locke type if we if you need a, a quick three. The seven rebounds was a, a very pleasant surprise for me. Like you said, he got to the stripe. He's much longer than I expected, and I, I I don't know if that's just because I'm only looking at the George Mason highlights, but seeing him on the court with the other Friars, I thought, you know, Tim, this guy, this guy's pretty long yeah. to be listed as a guard. If anything, he could fall into that, that guard forward territory, like you were saying. But I, when I saw Ticket play, it kind of reminded me of like an Isaiah Jackson type, right? Like mm. where. You know, he's going to do all of the essentials. He's going to rebound. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to give you, you know, maybe 8 to 12 points a game. Uh, I I was surprised by him. I didn't know what we were necessarily getting. Like I said, a lot of the preseason hype was has been around him being a three-point shooter. He only took two threes, and he hit one of them. So I'm excited for Gaines. I think, you know, there's a lot of potential for him to become a fan favorite this season. That might be reading way too far ahead. But if opening night, his opening night performance is an indicator of what's to come, then I'm really, really excited for him. What about a LaDante Henton type of player? Just because he's a lefty. Ooh. So it was LaDante. And Isaiah Jackson makes 100%. He might be a little bit better of a three-point shooter than Isaiah uh, yep. Jackson. And obviously time will tell, but maybe coming in, we – Probably think he's a better three point shooter than Isaiah. I think that's a great comparison. But I think a Ladante Henton type of player, like kind of like they call him like a junkyard dog, like kind of the guy that will be able to get down low, rebound, play in the post a little, but can also yep. guard on the perimeter. So he can do so many things for this team. And it's going to be kind of interesting to watch when we get into past Milwaukee, into the Wisconsin's and the Kansas States of the world, what Ticket Gaines does defensively for the Friars and how like he disrupts the other team. Right. Totally. Totally agree. I, I, I like the bucket uh, comparison there. Just hope he doesn't ditch us to coach at Georgetown with Cooley. I'm <laughs> just yeah. kidding. I don't, I don't Maybe in, in eight years, in eight years, so eight to 10 years, we'll play a little overseas basketball and then go coach Georgetown. Yeah, no, totally kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Moving down here. I know we both said off air that we wanted to talk about Rafael Castro. I mean, Man, 14 minutes of playing time, 13 points, three rebounds, and three blocks. I mean, in, for anyone that listened to the post-game press conference, Kim English said that Castro was overlooked for the first two rotations and that before he even saw the floor, they went for they went with Hopkins at the five. I mean, for Castro, a guy who was a redshirt his freshman year, last season he was third in line behind Ed Croswell and Clifton Moore. What a, an exclamation point of an opening night performance. Yeah, 100%. And you you need them, right? Like we, One of the issues coming into this season is the depth in the big man position, yep. the center position, the four position, with losing Will McNair uh, late in the portal cycle, whatever you want to call it, late in, the, late in before the season started, but kind of early. And then – so you lose kind of the, your backup center, kind of like that Clifton Moore kind of position or role that we saw last year. You don't really have that, right? You brought in Davin and Centauro, but he's a freshman. He's a big man. And you brought in uh, 
I always mess this guy's name up, but Eli Delorier. I think I got it. I think I got it right. Delorier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's also a freshman too, right? So hips, him and Santoro are both freshmen. So that's a lot to ask, and they played a combined six minutes on uh, Monday. I'm not saying they're not going to be good down the road, but they're not there yet, clearly. So you need Castro to be that backup big man. And him having 14 points uh, – not 14 points, 13 points for, in, in 14 minutes, I didn't see that. I, I would see him come in, rebound, defend a little, use his length, which he did with three blocks. But to see him come in and become a rim runner, that's exactly what he was. He was an yep. up and down rim runner. He would run when they pushed it. He would run from basically from the rim to the next rim. That's what it, what his job is. Nothing too complicated. He's not stretching the floor. He's just gonna be by the rim, getting some rebounds, and just on a pick and roll, kind of find him and make someone guard him. And I think his length on the defensive side of the ball is gonna be really helpful. But Joe, we need him. Like this isn't like oh he can kind of play a little. We'll see what he is. No, we if we want to go where we want to go, we need him to be a legit contributor. No, you're totally right, Peter, and I completely agree with you. Uh, I didn't necessarily know where he was going to slot into the fold this season, especially when Will McNair was back in, in on the roster over the summer. I mean, Will McNair traveled to Spain with us, so I really didn't know what the future looked like for Rafael Castro. And I think in terms of the five spot holistically, we take for granted how spoiled we've been with our centers over the past six or seven seasons, right? From Emmett Holt to Khalif Young to Nate Watson to Ed Croswell, who was arguably the most underrated player in the Big East Conference last season. I mean, that crop of centers was cut off after Croswell with the exception of Castro. But even still, Oduro gets the start, and I think Oduro deserves the start. I mean, from what I've seen in the highlights, from what I saw in night one, he has great footwork. He's light on his feet. He's crafty around the rim. I think he's still dealing with that injury a little bit, only 21 minutes of playing time. So we'll see how that nets out over the next couple of weeks. But I think Oduro gets the spot. But when Will McNair was on this roster, I didn't know what the deal was with Castro. And Will, when Will McNair left the roster, I kind of had a little bit of a panic. I was like, oh, my God, we're going we're gonna to use Castro as our backup center. And yeah. – I, I can guarantee you I'm not the only Providence fan that thought that. And my God, did did he prove me wrong? And, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. It's only one game, but I'm glad he proved me wrong, right? Like I, I am glad that he came out and played the way that he did because now I feel a little bit more comfortable going into conference play in December, right? Like this league is a beast this year from top to bottom, but – the opponents that are going to be waiting for us in the paint specifically. I mean, woof. Yeah. No, you're going to have to, <clears throat> and Odoro can't do it all himself. And obviously you want to mix and match. And even Kim English tried that with Bryce, Bry- <clears throat> excuse me, with Bryce Hopkins at the five. But we know when it comes to even like the Wisconsin's of the world or the K-States of the world, and then into Biggie's play, that's not going to work. Right, Bryce Hopkins at the five might work for a stretch or two, or maybe a two or right. four minute sequence, but you're not running that out consistently because most teams have a legit center that can just that would disrupt us. So we need Rafael Castro. He doesn't need to play 30 minutes a game, but anywhere from that like 12 to like 18 minute range probably is where he's probably gonna sit at. He obviously sat at 14 on Monday, but Adoro only played 21, right? Like, so that could change. Adoro could push more 30. So stuff is going to change. 
Uh, but I'm excited to see what they what they how they use Rafael Castro and how he continues to develop. And I'm gonna keep saying it, we're gonna need him. It's it's not one of those things like uh we'll kind of see how he plays. No, we're gonna need him down in, in throughout the season, not even just big east play. Maybe if for over or looking past Milwaukee, but Tuesday against Wisconsin, you're going to need it because Wisconsin's a legit Big Ten team. Yep, totally. Um, I also think just reflecting on last season too, I had I, I shared similar sentiment towards Clifton Moore, and yeah, you know he didn't stuff the stat sheet the way that Castro did in Game One of last year. But what I think Clifton Moore did really well is he came in and provided a huge impact. He hit those back-to-back three-pointers that gave Providence the lead in the second half over Ryder. And then as the season progressed, I mean, obviously, Ed Croswell turned it on. That went down in history. But Clifton Moore kind of faded into the shadows, and we didn't really need a a, a backup. I mean, obviously, you know, to give Croswell a few minutes of air on on the sidelines, but more or less, that was Croswell's, you know, role. So – Things we'll see how things net out with Castro and Oduro. I think that Castro is fighting for a seat at the table here. Um, you know, I would be too if I was six foot 11, yeah. 220 pounds, and I was the backup. But we'll see how that progresses as time goes on. Um, I want to talk about Bryce Hopkins here. Obviously, Bryce Hopkins comes into the season one of the most highly preseason accolades decorated players in the conference, um, probably second to Tyler Kolick. But he is, you know, he's the motor of this team. As he goes, yeah. the team is going to go. And I'm going to be honest, at the end of the game, I didn't realize that he put up 14 points and 10 rebounds. I thought that he had a bad game. And maybe that's because I wasn't fully paying attention, but. I mean, that was a sneaky 14-10. Uh, I don't know about you, but yeah. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with that. Yeah, it was one – I think I mentioned earlier in the program. I think I talked about – I think he pressed a little too much, right? Like, it was – and I get trying to find your shot from downtown. He was two for six. And if you can develop that part of his game, he turns into a different uh, – he takes his game to another level. But when you saw him get downhill into the lane, nobody could guard him on Columbia. So I just think he probably needed to do that a couple more times, but it's right. not the end of the world, right? Because like it's not like we needed a couple extra buckets where he should have not settled for the three but drove. So it's it's okay that he worked on his three. I would like to see him maybe in future games kind of get downhill more because I think he's tough to stop at the rim, and I think he's t- st- uh, tough to stop uh, when he gets into the paint. And if he can develop the three point shot, that's great, and he's gonna it's help him obviously get to the the next level, which is where he wants to go. But I think he was, he was good. He was good rebounding three offensive rebounds. It doesn't sound a lot, but for offensive rebounds, that's a good amount. Like we only had nine total offensive rebounds. We were kind of, we also did give up 15 offensive rebounds. So maybe that's a cause for concern (laughs) that we didn't (laughs) mention yet, but yeah, three offensive rebounds, seven defensive rebounds, 10 rebounds overall. The only thing is the five turnovers, right? Like he was a little too loosey goosey with the ball, but I agree. It was one of those games where like he took a lot of shots. I thought he was good. I thought he was good when he when he wanted to be and when he needed to be. It was one of those right. type of games, and his shot just wasn't falling from the outside. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I think it was looking back now and cross referencing with the stat sheet. I think the five turnovers is kind of why in my mind I was like, you know what? I don't think yeah. Hopkins played that well. Um, but with that said, you know, 18 turnovers as a team on opening night is really, really not good. Um, 
I mean, especially against Columbia too, if we're playing one of the more experienced backcourts in the big East, they're going to turn us over all night. And uh, Kim English even said this in the post-game press conference, right? He said that if you lose the turnover margin and you lose the effective field goal margin, typically you're going to lose the game. We were fortunate that, you know, we played a team that was picked second to last in the Ivy League conference <laughs> because if we played a better team, they're they were really, really going to punish us for the turnover turnovers. So grateful for that, but it's definitely something that needs to be cleaned up. Um, you know, and I think you're right. I think Hopkins is going to round into his own pretty soon. I mean, taken for granted that even on a night when he had five turnovers, he was pushing a little bit. He didn't look to be himself. He still had 14 and 10. So I'm going to cut him some slack. I think, you know, this is going to be a really big season for Hopkins. And, you know, if a bad night for him is a double double, <laughs> I'll take yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Um, 100%. Some other notables, I think Devin Carter, obviously, you know, picking up right where he left off last season, six rebounds, four assists, 13 points, 27 minutes played, 50% from three, five of eight from the floor. I think Devin Carter did what Devin Carter does. Um, I'm happy to see, you know, he's taking the threes because we're definitely going to need his presence from beyond the arc with Jared Bynum and Noah Lockgun. Um, and then Jaden Pierre, 29 minutes played, nine points. Two rebounds, three assists, you know, 50% from the floor, one of three from deep. I thought Pierre had a fine game, um, you know, taking over completely at the point guard position. Like I said to you off air, I, I, I'm i interested to see what happens at the point guard this year. Obviously, Garway Duel rolled his ankle. I wish there was more for us to talk about with him, but there unfortunately isn't. Yeah. Um, but Pierre logged a majority of those minutes. Obviously, I think most fans are aware that there was going to be some sort of battle for the starting job and for the minutes allocated between Duel and between Pierre. We saw Corey Floyd run a little bit of the point. What are your thoughts about the backcourt? Yeah, obviously it was unfortunate that Garway kind of rolled his ankle, but he only played five minutes. He made the one shot, I guess, and he, he took. He made a three, which is nice to see if he can knock down threes. And he's going to be okay. He saw him around campus. He wasn't in a boot or anything. So he might not play Saturday against Milwaukee, but it doesn't seem like a long-term injury. But when it comes to the point guard situation, I thought Pierre got better as the game went on. I thought he started kind of sluggish and kind of too loosey-goosey. That's a weird term to use when you're dropping <laughs> analysis on a basketball, uh, a basketball player or a basketball team. But he was kind of too loose with the ball. So I thought he kind of got a little more comfortable as the game progressed. And he ended up having, by the stats, and I guess by the eye test as well, a pretty decent outing. But he, once again, is going to be very important. That from that freshman to sophomore year jump that a lot of guys take, we're going to have to try to see that from Pierre. You're also going to see Garway Duol on the point. A little, a little Corey Floyd. Obviously, you can do Floyd and Carter. You can do Duol and Carter. Defensively, that's a nightmare for Duol and Carter, uh, for other teams, uh, for Garway and uh, Carter. But I thought Pierre was good. I thought he got better as the game went on. And that's something you want to see, right? Like, it's game one. right? He starts a little slow. Doesn't seem super confident with the ball and his shot. But from the first minute of the game to the last minute of the game. I thought he kind of progressed as a point guard and you would, you love to see that. And he still kind of rounded out a pretty good game. The three assisted three turnovers, you kind of want to get it that to be like more like five assisted three turnovers or five assisted two turnovers. So you, yeah. you don't want to turn the ball on, but I thought he from point A to the end of the game, I thought he got much better. 
which is a, a good thing to see. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think too, I think you said it best, right? He progressed and he improved as the game went on. And again, we sit here with our microphones, you know, judging the team. But in reality, yeah. we don't know what it's like out on the court, right? Like this is a group of guys that's playing a different opponent that's not themselves for the first time when it matters, right? Like, so Pierre could have had like a rock star summer. He could have had great secret scrimmages, but the reality is none of that even matters until Monday night. So I think we take that for granted too, not to mention, you know, fans coming into play. There was uh, the whole storyline of the off season. Pierre was in the portal and Kim English beat him in one-on-one. And then, you know, he eventually took his name out of the portal. So I think you're right. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm hyped for Pierre. I, I would love to actually see it at some point during the season. And I'm sure that we will Pierre and duel on the court at the same time. That would be quite the uh, yeah. dual threat from the backcourt pun totally intended there. Um, <laughs> but I think having two point guards on the floor at yeah. the same time is totally advantageous for us. A hundred percent. I like to see Carter uh, duel. Uh, I think uh, is it dual or duel? I never know. I don't know. So, so many people say it differently. Okay, we'll we'll find out. We'll we'll get the we'll figure it out. Not even just for everyone we'll listening, just guys. for our, for our personal sakes, so we don't mess his name up throughout the year. But I think I'm gonna go Garway for it. I think the Garway uh, Devin Carter duo in the backcourt could be interesting, along with Ticket Gaines. Like those three guys on the court together defensively is seems like a nightmare for other teams. And if you kind of you can kind of mix and match, I think. I think the, the guard situation is going to be fine. I think Kim English is going to have a lot of guys he can mix and match with and take in and take out, kind of ride, ride the hot hand, some guy that's struggling, put him on the bench, that type of thing. The biggest question for me is like the, the big man. So I think the guard situation is in probably a good in a good spot, So in my opinion, with the guard situation. But I would love to see how they mix and match against Milwaukee and then obviously against better opponents like in the Wisconsin's of the world. Yeah, I agree. All right, Peter, we're coming up on time here. Any closing thoughts from you following the Friars win on Monday night? No, nah, I think overall it was a good performance. You won by 19. You took care of business and you started the Kim English uh, era 1-0. and And then obviously you have another type of game like Columbia on Saturday against Milwaukee. So you take care of business against Milwaukee on Saturday. You kind of do your thing. You kind of keep developing. You go 2-0. And then you got a big-time clash at home on Tuesday night against a legit tournament team from the Big Ten in Wisconsin. So you took care of business on Monday night, time to take care of business on Saturday night, and then you go into next week feeling a little good about yourself 2-0. And then we'll kind of see where this team is at. That's right. I totally agree. 19-point victory to start the season. We will see what's in store on Saturday when the Friars take on Milwaukee at home. That'll be at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 2. Quick note, Peter. Did you did you take any uh did you take a look at any of the other Big East games that were that were played earlier this week? I watched a little bit of the Georgetown game because you have to, right? Like you kind of have to watch a little bit of the Georgetown game. So I did that. Thank God we're not DePaul. Thank God we're not DePaul. I feel bad for DePaul because I feel like I was watching. I was watching in my house, and I was like, everyone in the Big East is rooting for DePaul. Nobody hates DePaul, and they just cannot figure it out. They cannot figure out figure it out. And also one other thing, I think Villanova is going to be legit. They looked really good. I know it's against – I forgot who they played. I guess a lesser American. opponent. Yes, but I thought they looked a lot more fluid on offense, which we did not see at all last year from Villanova. 
So I think Villanova's could be a very tough team to beat in the Big East. But yeah, that's what I kind of take away. Poor DePaul. <laughs> yeah, poor DePaul is right. I mean, obviously, you know, you root for everyone to do well except for Georgetown, and DePaul is the team that winds up losing on opening night. It's just it's a tough time in Chicago. Yeah, it's not great for them. They're 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 only nine hundred said people at their game. It's it's a tough situation for DePaul right now. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it from us in the inaugural podcast episode of Providence POV. You can find us on your socials at Providence POV. Or if you head over to house-enterprise.com, you can find us on the blog tab. You can find some of my writing on the blog tab as well. But for Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Welcome to the new era of Kim English and welcome to the new era of Providence POV. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.